0: Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Um, I'm hoping to close out this section uh, of our of our teaching this morning. Uh, there's some other things that I'm really excited about moving on to that are related to this. And uh, I thought today might be the time for that. But there's just some things that I feel like the Holy Spirit is is uh, breathing upon in these verses. that uh, we. If you've been at Heritage for very long, you know that we come to a section of, of teaching and learning and growing together and, and we'll drive a stake in the ground and we'll, we'll pitch a tent and we'll stay there for a little while um, and just let the Holy Spirit speak to us uh, concerning uh, these verses. And you do realize that you could have memorized this verse when you were a child in Sunday school and quoted it, have it cross-stitched, hanging in your house. Uh, And known about it for years, but still not know everything there is to know, because the wisdom of God is inexhaustible. Um, You know, you you keep digging and drilling and searching and meditating and praying and studying, and He will keep showing you and keep showing you and keep showing you uh, things. And so, when we move on from a subject or move on from a set of verses, um, it's not because we've finally exhausted all the truth that's in them. It's just because the Holy Spirit said, "Okay, enough of that for now." Uh, we'll probably circle back around to it in in future days but that's how deep and rich and and, and eternal uh the word of god is but uh, for a lot of folks these are familiar passages proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths and we've talked a good bit about this mainly this time around about our understanding and what father is wanting to do in ways of helping us with our own understanding and our ability to understand or if i could simplify what it means to understand something is it's the way you look at something it's the way you see something your understanding is is the way you process and interpret things that that you experience in your life and and of course, if we're if we're off uh, center uh, truth in our understanding, then we're going to misinterpret and misunderstand uh, things that we are experiencing and encountering um, in life. Jesus said, "Be careful how you hear." Now, what you hear and what you listen to is very important, and we should certainly um, uh, be careful about what we listen to and, and the different music and. Uh, you know there are a lot of people out there who are mishandling the Word of God, um, and you be led by the Spirit. But they're just some folks. You just okay. I'm not. I'm not listening to this. All right. But, but he's not talking about the content. He's talking about understanding. When he says, "Be careful how you hear things. How you understand things determines how you hear them. The filter through which um, you uh, process uh, what you hear and and what you experience." But, alongside this, of course, is how our own understanding affects our ability to trust God and ultimately uh, have God direct our paths. Now, let's do a little bit of review, and we'll add some stuff as we go. You can't just muster up trust when you need it. And this is one of the great deceptions, I think, that the enemy has um, has pulled off on, on so many of the, of the members of the body of Christ is that we think we can just kind of bebop along, do our own thing, our own way, Uh, But then if we ever have a really big problem in our lives, we'll just real quick like turn to God and and have all this trust in Him and and, and overcome it. But uh, it it doesn't work that way. Um, The only way to learn uh, to trust God is to trust Him. And trust is built over time and it's built one step at a time. It's built over time and it's built one step at a time. Now, along with this idea of mustering up trust when you need it I'm going to reach deep inside myself and I'm going to just draw on this deep well of trust within me again that that shows a confusion as to what trust is and how it works and on the other side of that coin and, and hear me very carefully on this okay is what I would call a burst of trust do you understand what I mean by that a burst of trust uh, so the Bible is very clear faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God and so, God's given every person the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. Uh, every human being on planet earth has a measure of the God kind of faith inside of them. God gave it to them, I like to say it this way, as a baby gift. And, and yet that faith can lie dormant in a person's heart until, unless and until they hear the Word of God. The Word of God activates, awakens, and arouses the measure of faith that's within every person. That's why you can go to a foreign land and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a bunch of people who have never even heard the name of Jesus a single time and people be born again it's because they hear the word the power is in the word for salvation the faith to receive that is already on board inside of them and so that beautiful connection takes place between the word of God and faith in a man or woman's heart and salvation occurs in in their lives and so Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So when we, when we speak in terms of a burst of trust, um, what I'm referring to there is you, know, you hear a, a message. Let's, I've used this example before. Let's say I was going to you know, preach for the rest of the time together this morning on the subject of fasting. And I was to share with you from the Word of God the truth about fasting, meaning abstaining from food. And if you really are leaning into that teaching and you're hearing what the Word of God says, it will awaken and arouse and bring to the surface in your heart faith to fast. Matter of fact, you know, I've heard really good teachings and read books on fasting, and 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 after that, you're like, man, I'm not eating for forty days. And that's what I mean by a burst of trust. Okay, but then you wake up Monday morning and your stomach starts growling. So, a burst of trust is important, but we've also got to have with that the endurance to sustain the course and, 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 to, and, to, and to see it through uh, to the end. Uh, this is why we find in Hebrews this amazing verse where he says it's not, it's not faith that you need. You, you, you've got the faith. It's the ability to endure in faith so that after you've done the will of God, you can receive the benefits. You can inherit the promise. You can receive the the, the, the benefit of doing things God's way. So again, the point is the only way to learn to trust God is to trust Him. Trust is built over time, and it is built one step at a time. Now, in the Scriptures we have two beautiful examples of the oneness and fellowship that Father God desires to have with every human being that He's created. And those two examples are that of a human body, with Jesus being the head and all of God's children have been born into Christ, being individual members of that one body. So Jesus being the head of the body. Bill Winston says when, when Jesus was talking about not having a place to lay his head, he wasn't talking about a pillow to sleep on, he was talking about a body, amen, a body for his head to belong on, amen, amen. And of course, we know that through the new birth and salvation, some of you are like, what? Amen. Just, it'll come to you later. Amen. But, uh, you still with me this morning? Amen. Alright. So, uh, Jesus wasn't poor. Don't get me started on all that. This idea that Jesus was a poor homeless beggar is just ridiculous. Okay. Um, he was given multiple lifetimes of wealth at his birth by kings, not one king, multiple kings. Amen. Uh, he had plenty. Don't, so this, I, uh, Praise God. I just want to go off on that because religion has so tried to program into us this idea that Jesus was poor and we should be poor also. But anyway, that's another subject for another day. Amen. But what we do see, of course, is that he's here to gather members of his body. That's one example of oneness and fellowship. Okay. Many members, one body. Many members, one body. Amen. So also is Christ. My, my human body has many members. Fingers, toes, elbows, arms, shoulders, all this, right? Um, but it's still one body. So also is Christ. One head, Christ, many members of that one body. The second beautiful example we have in Scripture of oneness and fellowship is that of marriage between a husband and a wife. And we know the Scriptures teach that Jesus is the groom And we, as his people, are the bride. And what began in a garden, uh, the Garden of Eden, will one day, uh, when I say end, as we know it, it will end with a marriage feast, a a marriage, uh, we we call them reception parties here, right? A a marriage feast, amen, and you're the guest of honor uh, with Jesus because we've been joined together as one with him. But now, that occurs, of course, within us on a spirit level. But then the Bible also reveals, listen to this now very carefully, that now that we are in Christ, we are growing up into Him in all things. We are growing up into Him in all things. And you do understand that, that our Father is, again, a God of advancement. He's a God of moving forward. Or we can say it this way. He's a God of growth, a God of growth, the growth of His kingdom. Uh, the, the, the growth of, of his uh, name being known. We, there's all kinds of different ways we could talk about this. But I want you to think of it on a more uh, personal level, and, and that with being you growing and me growing, each of us growing up together uh, in, into the full stature of Christ. In other words, us becoming a body that his head will fit on, so to speak. Amen. That that we will be the bride, spotless bride, amen, that, that he deserves, praise God. Now, if you think you can do that yourself, you you are sadly mistaken, amen. We can't make ourselves spotless any more than we can make ourselves mature, amen. But if we will learn to listen to him and follow him, he is working to develop us. He is working to mature us. Remember, the Bible speaks of your salvation in three verb tenses. Have been saved, are being saved, will be saved. Your spirit has been made completely new. Your soul, which is the part of you that thinks and feels and makes choices. Your mind, emotions, and will. That's the part of you that is a work in progress. Amen. And then one day this mortal will, will become immortality. It will become immortal. And that's when our salvation will be complete. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it under the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm going through all that really fast, but I'm, I'm wanting you to see that once we're born again, the Bible says that we're as spiritual infants. And we need to do what? We need to desire the sincere milk of the Word so that we might grow thereby. Amen. And so the Bible speaks of those who are as spiritual infants, those who are as spiritual children, and then ultimately those who are as spiritual adults or have become spiritually mature. Now, I don't know if you uh, have you know, ever thought about this or not, but you, you can't go to the pharmacy and, and, and purchase a mature pill. Amen. In other words, you, you can't there's nothing that, that, there's no shortcuts to growth. Amen. There's no sh- shortcuts to, to maturity and, and, and to developing. Amen. It's something like, uh, trust. It's, it's something that is developed over time and is built one step at a time. And so many of the things, don't be offended at me. Just hear me, please. So many of the things in our lives that we, we want God to take away from us and, and set us free from, right? You know? What we don't realize, number one, is that on the most important level of your existence, you are, you are free from those things, okay? Um, and and if, let me go back to John 8, right? If the Son makes you free, Spirit, He makes you something you could ever make yourself, then you shall be free, soul, in your performed action, body, spirit, soul, and body, amen. So, you shall be free indeed. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free Indeed. He says in Matthew eleven, Come and I will give you rest, learn of me, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay? So he he makes you free, just like he makes you righteous. But we've got to grow up into that. We we've got to learn how to think and act and, and live like free men and women. We're not trying to to live free to become free. He made you free. Now he's trying to teach you how to live free so you can be free indeed, free in your performed action. And the difference between being made free and being free in your performed action is growth. It's development. It's maturing. It's the inward realities of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. And please hear me, that growth does not take place without your cooperation. It does not take place without my cooperation. In other words, we have to put the yoke of Jesus on together and learn of Him. Amen. As we walk alongside Him and do life together with Him step by step, one step at a time. He's teaching us His ways. He's teaching us how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching us how to properly divide and understand and interpret the words of God as they apply to our lives and to the body of Christ at large. He's revealing to us how to do things His way. He's leading us down pathways of doing things and ways of being and doing in life that we've never been down before. Amen. And all of these things require that we trust Him. All of these things require that we trust Him. So that means as as we follow Jesus doing and learning how to do things God's ways alongside that our trust is, is also developing. Our trust is, is, is also maturing. And I believe the two hallmarks, matter of fact, I believe the two most valuable lessons that we can learn on this earth as God's children are the lessons of loving and trusting. How to love and how to trust. How to love and how to trust. How to love and how to trust. And so these are the things that, that Jesus as, as our, uh, disciple maker, as the one who's now discipling us, Him and the Holy Spirit, He's, He's teaching us how to love as He loves us, amen? And He's teaching us how to trust His Father the way He trusted His Father. And, and, and again, if we're not, I don't want to, again, I'm not trying to offend you, but if we're not progressing in those two areas, then we're not growing. If we're not growing in our ability to love more effectively like Jesus loves us, and if we're not growing uh, in, in our ability to more effectively trust God, then we have become stagnant. We are not growing. Now, why is growth so important? So many of the things that we're begging God to take from us, He's saying, I've already taken them from you. Now let's outgrow them. Let's 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 outgrow this. Um some of the things that, that I'll use myself. It's easier to talk about you than me, but I'll talk about me. Some of the childish ways, childish things, amen, that we want to be free from. Jesus is saying, well, let's outgrow that. I, I don't know. Did I take a pacifier when I was younger, Mama? I don't know if I did that or not. She's saying no. But, but you know, um, you you never see an adult walking around the pacifier in, in their mouths, right? Because they at some point outgrew it. They outgrew it. Can you think of some things that the Holy Spirit's helped you outgrow? Things that didn't look good on you that you thought did look good on you. That now all of a sudden you realize, you know what, that's not me anymore. And when you start realizing that's not me anymore, you realize it never was you since you were born again. That's not who you are. I mean, see, this is growth. Have you found yourself responding in a, in a better way? then perhaps you would have responded in a similar situation just a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Instead of getting mad and, and wanting to stomp off and quit or, or give somebody a piece of your mind or, or, or even resort to violence, but now you're, those tendencies aren't there anymore or they're not as strong as they used to be in your life. Guess what? You're outgrowing those things. That's childishness. Throwing a fit and pouting and all that. That's childishness. And and it, and it's it's not cute on a on a on a kid, but it's really not cute on a full grown man. To pout. See again? That's 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 childishness. And and you know I you can come up here this morning, and, Pastor Mark. Would you lay hands on me and cast childishness out of me? I wish I could do that. But see again, this is something one step at a time. But as we grow in love and as we grow in trust. Again, the only way to do that is Jesus to teach you these things. And the only way He can teach you is if you acknowledge Him in all your ways. Meaning what? Rather than ignoring Him, you welcome Him and invite Him into your life. Now, praise the name of the living God. So, we've come to the following conclusions. We need God to direct our paths. And we need God to direct our paths because Jeremiah 10 and 23 says that the way of man is not found within himself and it's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. You were never designed by God to call your own shots. We've come to this conclusion. Number two, God cannot direct our paths if we never learn to trust Him because all the ways of God require you to trust Him. Okay. Now let me, again, I'm not not trying to you know come swinging elbows this morning but but listen to me please there are a lot a lot a lot of people in the body of christ who think they trust god but do not it's one of those areas of of being self-deceived we know that um that satan is a deceiver And we know that if he can, he will manipulate other people to deceive you. But there's the third kind of deception is what the Bible calls deceiving one's own self. And he says that today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the days of provocation. What happens so many times is we we come to church and we hear the word or we... We, we listen to something, watch something on TV, a preacher or a teacher. We read a book, something that inspires us. For that matter, just sitting there with God's Word in your lap and you read something that speaks to you, that that, that gives you hope, it, it, it changes your outlook, it, it inspires you in some way. Amen. But the Bible says that if we hear God's voice, But never follow through and actually do whatever it is that He's instructing us to do, that it, it actually causes us to harden our own hearts. So you can hear some things this morning that'll make you feel better about your situation, but feeling about, feeling better about your situation and actually doing the Word of God, wherever your situation is concerned, two different things. So we hear these things and we feel better about it, and we okay. There's hope, and man, I'm glad God said something about this, and okay, well, praise God. Maybe one day for me, and we, all these things we tell ourselves, and it gives us this this false impression that that you know we're faith ninjas and that we that we trust God with our very lives, right? Um, but don't talk to me about money. See that that's one of the reasons that. We have so much in the scriptures about money. Number one is because money is what people trust in rather than God. It's what people look to most often for their what they want and need rather than God. Okay, But when we start talking about money, if you think about the money that you have right now, it's money that you have actually traded a portion of your life for. Right. If you go work forty hours a week, then that means you're selling forty hours of your life to somebody, hopefully that's paying you handsomely for it. So money, money in, a, in an odd sort of way, is like a proxy for our lives. It, it's it's a it's a tangible, measurable representative of something that we have exchanged a portion of our lives for, and so if you really want to know what your life and trust and all these things really look like look at what you do with your money again I get quiet when I talk about money that's okay we've already received an offer and we're not going to receive another one that's not what this is about I, I'm, I'm trying to help you I'm trying to help you see something here right because the ways of God are not hard we focused in on this a little bit last Sunday The ways of God are not hard. They're doable. He didn't ask Naaman to climb Mount Everest. He asked him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. But the reason it seemed hard is because the ways of God tend to expose areas in our lives and in our hearts that we haven't dealt with. They tend to reveal things that we've put our trust in that we've got no business trusting in. And the more trust and reliance you have, uh, and the more you look to money for what you want and need, the harder it's going to be to follow God down a path of, of giving and tithing, which is also the path to your financial abundance and prosperity. But the same is true. Now watch this. The same is true. Amen? In other words, the easier it is for you to give, then the less hold money has on you. I've said this so many times, I'm saying it again. God doesn't mind you having money. He doesn't want money to have you. And we can we see this. I got this from Bill Johnson, the way he said it. I thought it, it's such a simple way of saying it. But it's so, you know, we have all these warnings about greed. We have all these warnings about the love of money. We have being the root of all evil. And it's like, it's like God says, you know, that's dangerous. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. And, and then when our hearts turn and we trust him, he's like, here, have all this money. Right. It would it would not be a blessing to Jake, Bethany, uh, or anybody else for that matter if I was to just go ahead and give Oliver the keys to my truck right now. And there's that would not be why it, it's because he's five years old. He, he's not mature enough yet. Although probably give him a couple of years. I don't know. Seven or eight. He's pretty sharp. But uh, amen. Part of me's kidding about that, part of me is serious about that if you know Oliver. Amen. So in other words, what's the deal? Is am I withholding something good from him by not giving that to him? No, see, Father has freely given us all things. But there are certain things in our lives that we're not mature enough yet to handle. It just becomes a matter of, of allowing him to grow us up into. I have, I have seen so many situations over so many years in, in my life in ministry um, where people come into the kingdom with nothing. They start getting a hold of the kingdom principles. They start giving. Money starts flowing into their lives. They start being blessed. Next thing you know, you don't ever see them anymore, right? Got so blessed, they got them a boat and a house on the river, and that's where they go now on the weekends, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a boat and a house on the river, but you should be in church. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? Do we trust God enough to come to church? His ways are His people assembling together. This isn't something that I came up with. This isn't the, this isn't the creation, you know, like a, like, you know, a few thousand years ago, whatever, a bunch of people got together and said, hey, you know, um, why don't we start like meeting? No, that God is the one who wants us to meet together. And he said, don't forsake it. Don't turn your back on it. Don't walk away from it. Don't abandon it. Do not abandon the assembling of yourselves together. Even more so, it's always been important. But he said, as the end of the age draws near, you don't need to abandon assembling together. Even more so as you see that final end, that final day coming. Do not forsake. Do not abandon. Do not turn your back on. Do not walk away from a sin. Watch this now. Ah, Sweet Jesus, help. I'm not trying to offend anybody watching online right now. It's like, Pastor Mark, you just talking about everybody watching online last week and record-giving online and all that stuff. Amen. But listen to me. If you can get to a church building, you need to get to one. I love you people. Y'all, you all know I love you. Well, you know, we can sleep in on Sunday. We can watch in our pajamas. We can, you know. We have family that live in Wyoming. Uh, Pam's sister, my sister-in-law, and, and brother-in-law, Nancy and Clay, And um, part of me gets it, part of me doesn't. Um, They often listen to these sermons, watch these sermons. They go to their church, watch them later. Praise God. Um, I get it when I see how beautiful it is. I go visit them and see how beautiful it is out there. But then they send me a video from looking out their back door of the blizzard that they had. We We were there in June and got six inches of snow right so um, part of me gets it part of me don't get it and I was going somewhere with that and I just don't even know where I was going with it praise God what are we talking about watching online online, not forsaking the symbol of yourselves together as a manner of some is amen maybe the Holy Spirit just telling me I need to move on from that praise God help me Andre you taking notes brother what did I say (laughs) Don't abandon the assembling yourselves together even as the manner of some is in these last days. It was a really good point. Praise God. Bottom line is that all the ways of God require you to trust Him. You got to trust Him. Amen. It's bugging me, but I'm not going to let it bug me anymore. All right. Number three, God cannot direct our paths if we do things according to our own understanding. God cannot direct our paths if we do things according to our own understanding. The greatest threat to God's way is producing God's results in your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Wyoming... when winter starts the U.S. Post Office stops delivering the mail not because mail isn't important in the winter time in Wyoming but because if your mail starts piling up they send somebody to check on you in Wyoming you have, to understand, you have to understand something. I, I, again, I should have photos. I didn't know I was going to talk about this this morning. I have f- photographs of my brother-in-law standing on top of the snow leaning over to work on the roof of his house. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Because they got an ice dam and now water is like a waterfall in their bedroom wall, right? And they're trying to, neighbor's helping him clear They don't need a ladder. Just walk over there. so they it's a it's a thing that of, of accountability you have to meaning what meaning it's you got to get out and go get your mail so that somebody will know that you're alive amen are you hearing me and and so i believe that's an, another factor we need interaction with other people amen I've, I've considered myself before as a mailman. I'm delivering the mail for my father to you. Amen? And you can stay at home in, in your house shoes and catch it on the flip side, you know, when your favorite TV program is in reruns or whatever. But that's not the, that's not the same. As assembling yourself to, again, see, this, watch this though now. This isn't, this isn't, I'm not speaking on my behalf. I love it, man. I, this building full, balcony full, bring it on. You know what I'm saying? I, I enjoy that. I love that. It's a beautiful, the atmosphere is is different the more people that are in this room. Have y'all figured that out by now? As well? Amen. So, but again, but this, I'm not, I'm not saying this because you're hurting my feelings by not coming. That's not, that's not, I'm, speak the truth in love. I'm saying this because I love you. And this isn't my way; this is God's way. Well, you know, Pastor Mark, I'm just not comfortable in crowds. Amen. Well, there's a word for that, and I'm not. It's called anxiety. See, you'd never believe this about me, but but if I was not the most bashful, shy. An even anxious person in my middle school and up until about 10th grade in high school. I don't know if any, I don't, crazy Pastor Mark, are you kidding me? I'm telling you, it was something I had to outgrow. Watch this now. And at 57 years old, I'm, I still have to deal with that sometimes. some events at the foundry I'm, I'm i'm involved in different things there sometimes i go into meetings and and um uh you know all these folks that multi-millionaires and all these things that are donors and all sort of thing and you know, they're all very friendly to me i'm just like you know hi mark you know i'm just like i don't know i just i feel awkward am i the only one you kind of feel awkward in those situations now, I used to, like, feel super-duper awkward in those situations. I'm growing, though. I'm growing. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? But if... if <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody and I'm trying to get you mad, and obviously there's 5,000 churches you could tune me out right now and tune somebody else in online, okay? I'm not trying to do that to you. But God knows, God knows best. He knows what we need. And He knows that we need interaction, not just with other people. We need fellowship and interaction with other people who not only are going through and experiencing the same things we're going through and experiencing, but who also want the same things out of life that we want. People that are going the same direction we're going in. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? I never want to single anybody out or embarrass them or anything like that, but I've made it clear to our brothers and sisters who were in the educational development program at the Foundry right now, Foundry University, praise God, how welcome they are here, but also how much it means to me for them to be here. And um, and I just, I just want to say publicly, and, and I've been a part of the Foundry for, I don't know, 20-plus years now, maybe more, um the uh let let me talk i'll get to you in a minute ladies but the men that have been a part of heritage over the last several months you guys are some of the most faithful committed spiritually hungry spiritually developing men that i've ever had the privilege of getting to know since i've been a part of the foundry and i just want to compliment you on that okay amen amen Now, I wish I could say about the entire men's program, um, what I'm about to say about these women. Um, For many, many years at the foundry, I only taught the women. Um, And that was by design, because women tend to be more receptive to spiritual things than men. No offense to any of the men in the room, but amen. Praise God. But the group of women that are at the foundry right now, as a whole, are the most spiritually hungry and committed, and even I would say developed. Again, as a as a whole, that since I've been there, um, you know, and that's no offense. And we got Amy and Kim and others back here, you know that that um, Amen. But I think you, some of you work at the foundry, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, ladies, just know. Oh, look at this. Yeah, look at this over here. (laughs) God is good. God is good. And when you graduate with flying colors, surround yourself with people who want the same thing that you want. Get yourself connected with a church that preaches life and faith and forward and upward and, um, and loves you and will support you and not... Abandon you should you make a mistake. Amen. Surround yourself with people. And that's that's one of the reasons we assemble ourselves together. It's one of the reasons Father God wants us to do it. We, we are all members of one body. Amen. Amen. And And he goes through all this. I'm not here to necessarily teach all this in, in, in its fullness this morning. But he said that one part of the body can't say to the other part, I don't need you, right? But I think we could say the same thing about this. You know, One part of the body can't say to the body, I don't need the body. Are you following me? The body of Christ needs you and you need the body of Christ. Amen. It's where we grow, it's where we mature, it's where we develop together. It's God's design. It's God designed. Satan is the one who wants to divide. Satan is the one who wants to isolate. Satan is the one who wants to separate. Satan is the one who, who wants... And so notice he uses all kinds of... a thing. He. All, I'm not doing this to... to uh, somebody needs to see this, okay? All right? So if you have ever been hurt, offended, wounded, whatever... In church, by some church experience. I want you to see. I want, my hand's going up first, okay? All right. Notice just about every person in this room. That is not by God's design, but that's by the devil's design. He he wants for people to be wounded in church so that they have a an offense... And, well, he, she didn't speak to me. Pastor Mark's picking on me. He, whatever. I mean, just, you know, and any, any offense that we can take that would ultimately lead to what Satan's trying to get us to do, to respond in a way that would separate us and isolate us and divide us apart from one another. And as Smokey Bear says, only you can prevent forest fires. Well, only you can prevent that from happening. On. That's good. Only, you can, only you can prevent that. How, how are you going to respond to it? amen stand with me this morning praise God I I didn't really get as far down all this that I wanted to but let me let me I'm going to kind of summarize some things and um, and maybe we'll get back to them next week okay Isaiah 42 and 16 let me put that verse on the screen thank you Jesus I'll bring the blind by a way they did not know. I'll lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. From the same verse, God's word translation, I will lead the blind on unfamiliar roads. So God has a way out for you. It's just a way you've never been before, it's a path you've never traveled before. It's an unfamiliar path. I will lead them on unfamiliar paths. I will. Turn darkness into light in front of them. I will make rough places smooth. These are the things I will do for them and will never abandon them. Those last, that last phrase in both translations, King, New King James and not forsake them, in God's Word translation, never abandon them. Think for a moment. What is the worst thing that could happen to someone who is following a guide? <laughs> right? You're following a guide down a path you've never been before to a place you've never been before. The worst thing that could happen to you is what? It's for that guide to abandon you. Is for that guide to jump on a horse and run off and leave you. Stranded out in the middle of nowhere on a path you've never been down before to a place you don't know and have never been before. Worst thing that could happen to you is for the God to forsake you, for the God to abandon you. Do you see now why we find, and I'll show these to you next week, do you see why we find so many places in the Scripture where the word from God to people that He is carrying on, you know, sending them on an assignment, sending them on a mission, is I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will be with you always. I will be with you unto the end of the way. I will be with you unto the end of the age. I will be with you unto the end of the assignment. Why does he say that over and over and over again to people from the, all the way back to Moses, all the way through to you and me? It's because he knows that Satan, right, we, we want to follow God down this new path. And the devil's telling you, well, what's going to happen when you, you know, pay your tithes at the first of the month and you get to the 20th of the month and you ain't got no money? See, What is, what is the devil in essence saying? He's saying, he's, he goes, you're going to start on this path of honoring God with your money and then God's going to abandon you and leave you hanging out to dry. Am I right about it? So He's taking you down a path you've never been before to the place that He has for you that you can't get to on your own. And the only way you'll ever get there is trust Him because the only way you're ever going to follow somebody down the path you've never been for, before to a place you've never been before is if you trust that person has your best interest in heart. And now notice, Father God, the Bible says He knows your frame, that, you're but dust, that your frame is but dust. Your flesh, because the weakness of our flesh, right? That it's as dust. And so what does He say? He, knowing how we're going to respond, knowing how we're going to think, He says to us, even before we take the first step, and before you take the first step, you've got to know, I will not abandon you on this, on this path. I will not forsake you. I'm going, to, I'm going to start it, and I'm going to see it through to the end. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for helping us, Lord. Thank you for believing the best about us. Thank you for promising to never leave us nor forsake us. Father, when you turned your back on Jesus the day he became our sin, hanging on the cross, I'm convinced that you've revealed to me, sir, that that was the hardest thing that you've ever done, harder than creating universes. Hardest thing you've ever done is turn your back on Jesus that day, but the only way you were able to do it is you did it knowing, you did it knowing, Father, that if you turned your back on Jesus that day, it would be the last time you ever had to turn your back on one of your children. And so, Father, I thank you that when Jesus says, I'll be with you always, even to the end, that he's saying that, Lord, not just as some kind, uh, temporary encouragement, but it's something that that he understands and that, that he means from the der- very depth of, of, of his existence as the eternally uncreated Son of God with us always, even unto the end of the way. Father, I thank you this morning for men and women in this room who are growing, who are growing. Father, who are dealing with uh, anxiety in their lives. They're not, they're not letting fear bully them, but they're bullying the fear. They're identifying, Father, their fears and they're moving towards them in faith. They're not allowing Satan to manipulate their lives by lies and deceptions and smoke and mirrors and, and, and things, Lord, that, that, that He whispers in their ear. They're talking about you. They don't love you. You don't fit in down there. You're not well. He's a liar. He's a liar, Father, and I thank you that your Holy Spirit is exposing his lies in our lives. And, Father, that your ways are exposing areas in our lives that we we need to allow you to help us with. You asked Naaman to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Very easy, very doable, but it was hard because of his pride. You were exposing his pride. You were exposing what needed to change in his life for you to be able to do in his life what you so desperately desired to do. Thank you, Father, that you're revealing these areas in our own lives. And we're not running from them. We're not denying them. We're not trying to spiritualize them, Father. But we're coming clean and we're being honest with you and others if we need to, Father, so that you can help us move these mountains into yonder sea. And, Father, every step we take on the path that you have for our lives is becoming more clear and more clear and more illuminated and brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Thank you, Father, for the partnerships, Lord, that that you have established, for the fellowship, Father, that is Heritage Christian Center, and for the many other ministries, Lord, that, that we partner with and fellowship with so that your purposes can prosper in our hands. Father, thank you for that glorious day when we'll all sit together at your banqueting table as the bride of Christ, forever one with our Lord and Savior, with our King. Seated together with Him now. Joined together with Him forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I know it was cold, maybe a little inconvenient for you, but I'm glad that you're here. Uh, if If you see somebody you don't recognize, introduce yourself. Know that you're loved. I'll see some of you in the morning, others Tuesday, others Wednesday. Good things coming for you and yours.